think we've timed this just right between press conferences for our buddy George Astoya, who joins us on the Riverwind Casino jackpot line. He is in Nashville. Uh, at George Stoya on Twitter, SoonerScoop.com. How's Nashville treating you so far, George? Oh, you, it's it's a blast, Plank. You know how it is, especially when you get to come out here with a guy like Eddie who, <laughs> uh, you know, has just run in the town out here. So uh, it, it's been a lot of fun. And, and uh, early morning, we just heard from Nick Saban. We're about to hear from Sam Pittman with Arkansas. So it's, it's been busy already. What has been kind of your feel on how the additions of OU and Texas are being perceived and received? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I think that a lot of people here are excited about it. I think that uh, it just raises the competition. Obviously, Nick Saban kind of just gave a lengthy answer about how much it challenges him as a coach, how much it's going to challenge the SEC, and obviously two great programs that have been, um, you know, really successful in college football over the years. I think there's a lot of people, too, uh, that also think that, hey, they're not ready. Um, you know, I know the LSU running back Josh Williams said that on day one, um, you know, kind of talking about, you know, they don't know what they're getting into. I know there was a couple Georgia players yesterday that said that they do think Oklahoma and Texas can't compete. So um, I think it's a little bit of that back and forth. And, and honestly, we're really not going to know uh, until we get a few years into this thing. But I think for the most part, everybody's really excited. And, um, you know, I think it's also one of those things that, no one really knows what to expect, right? So they don't know if, if Oklahoma and Texas are going to compete on a regular basis and what exactly that looks like on a year-to-year basis because we have seen, uh, you know, obviously Oklahoma kind of dominate uh, the Big 12 Conference the last, you know, 20-some years now, and, and uh, it is going to be a step up. But what, is that, what does that exactly look like? Uh, in 2024, I, I don't, I don't think we're going to really know until they start playing the games. I know you guys are there. Some of the Tulsa World peeps are there. You're providing great content on three.com and SoonerScoop.com. Uh, there's a handful of Texas people, but beyond just say the programs, right? How about the way you're getting treated? I mean, has it been cordial? Has it been fun so far? It, I know you guys just got there and this is day one, but how has that kind of played out for you? Yeah, no, I, you know, it, it's funny. You get to know people on Twitter, and so we, we've actually run into quite a few, um, you know, people here that, that know us or have, you know, seen us on Twitter, and, and everybody's been very welcoming. Um, and and it, it's funny. A lot of them ask us, do you think, do you think Oklahoma's ready? And I'm like, well, what, what do you think? You know, it's kind of that back and forth with different reporters. And so uh, it's been really good. And, and, you know, it is a little bit different. Um, you know, these, these, these events, Chris, you know how it is. Uh, they let a lot of different folks in here, and so some of the questions uh, thrown out there are, um, uh, let's just say, a little bit different uh, than what uh, you would think in a, in a regular press conference. So um, that's been interesting to watch. I think it's also, you know, I think there's over a thousand media uh, credentials for this event, so it's just a lot bigger in terms of the amount of people here. I know the Big 12 was around 700, so um, you know it, it's it's pretty big, and the radio row is 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 a lot bigger here as well, and. Um, they have different breakout rooms, and, and the way it's set up is just totally different. So um, it, that's all been interesting. But I, I would say, for the most part, everybody's been very welcoming. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious, from your perspective, George, George Stoyer, our guest, what did you make of Dallas being the site for SEC Media Days next year? I mean, it's let's face it, you get OU in Texas, you kind of thought, oh, you better adjust to the way of traveling to Atlanta and traveling here, but – I found that to be fascinating. What'd you make of it? Am I reading too much into it? No, I, I don't think you are. I think that that was a very deliberate thing that they did. Obviously, with OU and Texas coming to the SEC, I think that that's exactly why they're having it in Dallas. I mean, this is an event 
that is open to fans. I mean, I walked in the lobby this morning and uh, the amount of Alabama fans down there just waiting to see Nick Saban walk by for a few seconds uh, and yell roll tide at him. You know, that's something that you don't get at Big 12 media days. And, you know, next year at the Omni, I would assume um, with the amount of OU alumni and fans down to Dallas and also obviously a lot of Texas fans there in that area, uh, that it'll be a pretty good crowd for when those two schools uh, are going on their media days. And I think that that was the purpose, kind of welcoming them into the conference uh, and putting it in a place that's obviously easy to get to for both schools and also for the fans to kind of experience what the SEC is all about. Yeah, I've, I've loved watching it. I'm not going to lie. I, I even got a, a bit of FOMO seeing your updates because, I mean, let's face it, it's going to be so unique to just have a whole new world of coaches and topics in 2023 uh, 2024, but you, you were very pigeonhole-focused on 2023 last week. So real quick before we wrap with a couple SEC questions, I want to go back to last week. Anything that resonated with you? I, I loved what you said on the pod about names that you didn't hear mentioned, right? You didn't hear Reggie Grimes' name mentioned too much. I didn't hear Jaron Canick's name too much. But for, for you now that you've had kind of a week to look back, was there any thoughts slash feelings you had about kind of the vibe from Big 12 Media Days for the Sooners? Yeah, no, I mean, I think the vibe was obviously competitive depth. Uh, that, that's a term heard that, that a lot. was used. We, we, yeah, we heard that a lot. We heard efficiency a lot. I think that that was kind of my takeaway is that the tone from Oklahoma is that, hey, we know that, uh, you know, we didn't have a great season last year and that we, we had to reevaluate some things, and it sounds like they have. Now, um, you know, what does that look like? I, I don't think we'll really know until they play, but it gives you some confidence that, hey, they looked at what they did last year. They said, hey, we got to bring in this amount of players. we got to bring in some more talent. I think it was really interesting to hear Brent talk about, hey, I gave this group a 12-month grace period, mm-hmm. uh, and now that quote's going around about, about Dion and, and the players exiting. But the way that, that he phrased that of, hey, we're now 18 months into this thing uh, and things are changing, I think that that's a good sign. And, and I think it is going to help them. I mean, when he talks about the fourth quarter, you look at some of those close-loss games, that's particularly West Virginia, Baylor, Texas Tech, all three of those games came down to the fourth quarter and not being able to get off the field or not being able to put together a game-winning drive. I think bringing in uh, some of the talent that they did uh, is, going to, is going to be able to help them when it comes to those critical possessions and, and, and games. So uh, that was kind of my takeaway. I mean, I, I, maybe, you know, you know how it is, Chris, when, he, when, he, when Brent speaks, uh, you start drinking the Kool-Aid. And I, I will say I, I've been drinking the – the Brent Venables Kool-Aid the past week. Maybe that'll wear off, but <laughs> I do think that uh, they're, they're heading in the right direction, and I think it was a good thing to hear about some of the things that they reevaluated this offseason. Yeah, and, and I, I heard you say that, so I just wanted to follow up on it. Was there a certain phrase, was there a certain message that really sold George Stoya on, all right, that's our guy. That's, that's let's go. I mean, what was there anything that really stood out to have you uh, basically ordering another round of the would it be ch- orange or, or grape Kool Aid when it comes to what Coach V is selling? Yeah, no, I, I think when he talked about complimentary football, and, and I was the one that kind of asked him about that because I think there's been a lot of questions about you know slowing down the offense and those sorts of things to help the defense out, and I think him kind of going down the line and saying, well here's what the offense needs to do better. They need to be better in situational football. And you look back at how bad they were in situational football last year, third and fourth downs, particularly uh, they weren't great in red zone. I think they were, they were ninth in the conference in red zone offense, those areas improving in those. And then talking on defense about, you know, the, the statistics of cutting the, the rushing 
you know, per yards or, or whatever it is uh, per game, you know, down to about two yards per rush. Uh, you know, hearing those sorts of things makes you say, okay, they, they realize uh, where they were, um, you know, falling short last year. And so I think that that's kind of what made me say, okay, they, they really dove into the film and really looked at uh, their players' talent. And I think hearing about some of the guys that they brought in the portal that they think that they can help them uh, when you talk about, especially up front, um, you know, some of the defensive line guys that have put on some of the weight that they have, I think that that gives you the confidence in hearing about some of those guys and how much he thinks those guys are going to help them this year. That, that's what stood out to me of, okay, they, they really feel a lot more confident. Because if you listen to him last year, uh, you know, he talked about they didn't have a ton of depth, um, you know, and maybe we didn't choose to, to listen to that as much. But, um, you know, I think this year, it's definitely, you know, prevalent that they do have more depth and they are going to be able to rotate some guys in and out. And, and again, I think also just the experience, having an, a year under their belt with this coaching staff that is relatively young, uh, I think is going to help them a lot. George, two more, and I'll let you get out of here. Uh, first, what's your goal? Like, in other words, you're in, you're in Nashville, you're at SEC Media Days. Like, what's on your checklist of to-dos or questions you want answered or stories that you're digging on for Soonerscoop.com? Well, you know, the question I get all the time is, is OU SEC ready? And I think that everybody wants a yes or no answer to that. And so, you know, asking those questions to some of the people here, what they think of Oklahoma, because we kind of live in that, that Norman bubble, right, of, mm-hmm. of uh, everybody thinks OU's great and, and all that, or maybe they don't think they're great, right? So hearing people's perspectives from the outside, but also just defining what does SEC ready exactly mean? I think everybody just assumes it means – uh, on the field, being competitive, those sorts of things. But it also has to do with a lot with the community, fan support, those sorts of things. So kind of answering that question of well, what exactly does that mean? What does Oklahoma need to do to get ready? And, and where are they right now? Uh, and maybe what, what advice would some of these coaches give? You know, talking to you know, Shane Beamer tomorrow, Josh Heupel, obviously two guys that are very familiar with the program. Kind of interested to hear what they have to say. I think obviously Shane will speak very highly uh, of Oklahoma, but you know what does Josh Heupel have to say? Obviously, that's also an interesting storyline with him coming to Norman in 2024. So just those things, and also just kind of get a, getting a feel for some of the media members here and, and what they think of OU in Texas. And um, you know, I'm supposed to speak with Greg Sankey tomorrow uh, for a few minutes, and, and I'm interested to hear what he has to say about Oklahoma and, and also just how that move went down to the SEC. So just those those are kind of my goals and. and kind of just trying to finally answer that question, is OU SEC ready? And, and to be honest, I don't think I'll get the, the answer until, <laughs> uh, like I said, they play. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And we'll have all the stories. We'll have all the think pieces. You'll do your research. We'll do our takes. And <laughs> then we won't know until they actually step on the field. Uh, and then finally, you mentioned you're going to talk to to Greg Sankey. Were you surprised to see that kind of full-court press, George? I know you've started to dive into NIL and the collective world and where Oklahoma is, speaking of being SEC ready. Were you surprised to see that Greg Sankey's kind of angle on this, not only going to Congress, but making sure the players are getting the follow-through and make sure they're getting what they are they are promised? Because i got to be honest with you, I, I don't see that reported a ton. I see it rumored. Yeah. But I found that to be an interesting angle that he took yesterday. Yeah, no, and I think that that's definitely something that is going to be discussed a lot um, at Oklahoma even. You know, I, I know talking to Joe Castiglione, um, you know, he, they, they're trying to do the same thing. And I think that the stuff going on with Congress, that that's what needs to happen when you talk about 
regulations and, and laws and, and things because right now there's just no guidelines, right? And so I, I think that um, and the SEC has done a really good job of, of leading the way in terms of what they're doing with NIL and, and these programs and these schools. And so uh, I think that that was kind of the message of, hey, we need to be out in front of this and we need Congress on our side. And, you know, when Greg Sankey speaks and, and uh, the SEC speaks, I think a lot of people listen in college football. So I think that that was the goal with that. And it'll be interesting to hear from him a little bit tomorrow about that. Hey, uh, George, I know you're busy, man. Obviously, you know, I'm pumped you're back in Oklahoma, but really excited you're in Nashville with the Sooner Scoop crew. And thanks for your time, bud. We'll talk again soon. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Plank. See you, brother. That's George Stoya. Love, George. Uh, on the – did I say the right text? Did I say the right line? The Riverwind Casino Jackpot line? I think you guessed. Yes, think you I did. Right. Yep. There you go. They all run together. I am so hungry for knowledge and information about what's next for NIL. Because I do think it's at the foundation of what's going to help build successful college football programs in the recruiting world. And if it's going to be congressional oversight, if it's going to be a fight to make sure that promises are followed through. I was, I was mentioning yesterday how I just – I feel like the story of men and women not getting what they're promised has been a very under-talked about – um, conversation. It, it just really, it has been. Ke- Kelly helped me out. She sent me a couple of stories and I went back and I read them, but I just, I don't feel like that's the overriding debate. It usually falls back into what? Well, we've got to get rid of enticement and we got to quit this cheating and paying under the table, but no one really seems to stop and say, are we, are we making sure they're getting what they're promised? Yeah. And I, I found that to be a fascinating angle that Greg Sankey went with this week. Well, you're at a point now where you got to make some changes with NIL and make it right with everything that's been going on. And maybe some bad things with NIL, too much money that they're promised and maybe not getting I, once they get on campus. I was just – I'm not going to lie to you. I was blown away. Shannon Terry threw this tweet out about the push that you've seen from the SEC to have congressional oversight, and he hit these bullet points – about what's at stake. Collectives roster value, NIL accounts for about 80% of over NI, uh, of overall NIL money. This goes to only 3% of the overall 52,000 student athletes and more than $250 million over the next year would be in jeopardy for Power 5 and high major football and basketball athletes if not replaced with a revenue sharing model. Because the NCAA according to Shannon has muddied the water with the other 50,000 student-athletes, I'm not sure the 1,500 to 2,000 that generate the revenue understand how much is on the line for them. Andy Wittry was all over this. A lot of big words there. It is, yes, and a, a lot of money, too. A lot of coin. 200 fil- 250 mil. Gosh, this is, this is a very long article. Very long, long article. Uh, here's, by the way, just to kind of give you an idea – because on 3.com, and I'll see if maybe after SEC Media Days we can't get uh, Andy Wittry on to explain this a little bit more in depth, in the documents that the SEC had shown and, and presented to Congress, the NCAA cannot fix this. Only Congress can fix this, states the first of several key points for Congress. Uh, the NCAA has not shown the ability to effectively regulate NIL activities or enforce the rules prohibiting booster involvement in, in recruiting 
or inducements for pay for play. In other words, I, I think the picture is starting to, to come a little bit clearer for me. He writes, the SEC's view is that prohibiting boosters, collectives from involvement in the recruitment of high school and transfer athletes is the simplest and most effective approach. That, that's the big thing right there. Yeah, the boosters. Yeah. They get involved with the money. That's right. Wild. All right, uh, we'll hit the text next, 405-651-3439. Zion Raggins did indeed commit to the Sooners yesterday. Uh, Parker Thune on Locked In, and Tyler were talking about what it meant. We'll, we'll, we'll bring you that a little bit later on in the program. But y'all are on fire for Michael Wilbon v. Brent Venables, and we'll share it next right here on The Ref. All right, welcome back into the Plank Show right here on The Ref. I, I can't help but every now and then get sucked into the running back pay conversation in the NFL. It's like, ah. I'll see. I'll see. I, I, I really like Blinken Riley a lot, but whenever he was tweeting about how many more points that kickers are responsible for than running backs, I was like, bro, that's just no the whole story of what a running back does. I mean, let it, you want to question the value of running backs. I mean, the amount of pounding they take, blitz pickup. They might not be catching passes. They might not be involved in getting out and in in routes, but they're going to be involved in picking up a blitzer. Their body's going to take a pounding. Be like, well, they only accounted for so many points. Yeah, but how much more did they do? How much more are they involved in everything, man? But I'm not getting sucked into it today. And what they do in practice, too. We know what kickers do in practice. They do nothing. Nothing. Was it, was it last year I saw the stat that or I saw the number that the kickers make more than the running backs. Was no, that, no, was it's, that from it, last year? That, that's now. That's yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, that's currently oh now. Now, nah, and again, that's watered down too because there's a lot more running backs and kickers. But it's it's just this idea that if you just look at it from a points produced perspective, I mean, come on, it's deeper than that. You can tell me that you're going to throw freaking Daniel Carlson out there to do the job of picking up a linebacker, blitzing up the middle. Have fun with that. On pass, uh, your pass protection responsibilities. Get out of here, man. Come on. It's more than that. All right, before we get to the best of the text line, uh, I've got everything that uh, Parker said yesterday about Zion Raggins and his commitment from Locked In that we're going to share here in just a bit. And uh, obviously, I, I went all in this morning on the Georgia story. Kirby Smart didn't address – the demand for a retraction from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, but he did talk about his concern over the traffic issues that they've had. So we'll get to that coming up in just a bit. Plus, I I love what George said about, hey, that question, is OUSCC ready? Well, it's been a mixed bag of people trying to tell them that they are or they aren't, but I thought what one of the George offensive linemen said yesterday was really good. We'll get to that coming up in a bit. Uh, But True Sooner's waiting, so let's get him in here. What's going on, True? How are you, man? Oh, man, doing good, man. Hey, is Vanderbilt, are they SEC ready? No. I mean, they act, like that, they act like that every team in that conference you know what? is SEC ready. I go back to something that Barry Trammell either said on uh, when I was on Big 12 radio or I read it in one of his articles, but he said, OU is absolutely SEC ready. There's no questions. Oh, yeah. the, the, the concern is, are they Georgia ready? Are they Alabama right, ready? Exactly. Are they LSU exactly. ready? I mean, they're they're – on a different level, uh, it, and people can get mad about tailgating, but just listen. If you win games, who cares whether or not you got a chance to drink a beer before the game? Sorry, I'm not minimizing the tailgate, <laughs> yeah. Terry. But my point is, they're SEC ready. It's just, are you Georgia, Alabama, LSU ready? Right. That's the question. Right. Yeah, there's ten teams in the SEC that aren't SEC ready. Right. Absolutely. You know, so 
<laughs> ten ten I mean, of the fourteen right now aren't SEC ready. I don't I don't want to go down the political rabbit hole that far, but I just want to say one thing about this Will Fong thing. And man, I as a as a consumer that has entertainment bucks and has you know can spend so many whether it means going to concerts or whether it means going to football games or, or whatever. You know, I'm so tired of, of like, my, one of my getaways is to get away from these kind of, these kind of situations, you know? Right. And, and, you know, whether I'm, and, and I'm, and, and I lean right, I'm a conservative, but I am tired of Ted Nugent spewing his crap, and I'm tired of Roger Waters spewing his crap. I, I mean, Roger I, I just, yeah, you know, I mean, you know, he just, I'm just tired of both sides. And, I, and like I said, I'm a conservative, but I don't want to, and I, and I follow this stuff when I'm not following sports. I, you know, I'm a Ted Nugent fan and I like some of the things he says, but when I go to a concert or go to a football game, I don't want to see, you know, Donald Trump's, you know, face plastered on, on a pig floating around the whole night. You know what I mean? It's just, I don't know. I just, maybe I'm in the minority that don't want to see this stuff on my entertainment buck, but. That's just kind of the way I feel, man. I don't I, know where, why, why this has to keep coming up. What, they, what, what? Uh, by the way, I'm just curious. What instigated this? What'd you see? What, what caught your eye with this on the political side of things? Just going to a lot of concerts. In oh, the, okay, in, okay. And, and and stuff, and seeing them like just give you in your face politics all the time. Agreed. Um, and then you know, and then and then watching this, you know, watching this sports thing with Will Fong and uh. him. Just out of the blue okay. going, I have my – really, you you have your suspicions? Why do you have – because Brent Venables has said so many racist stuff in the past. What, what is it that gives you your – I have my suspicions. Why? Just because, just because you know, Deion Sanders is a minority? That's why you have your suspicions? I mean, I, that, 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 that's the kind of thing. The, the whole idea – and I appreciate your phone call, True. All right, man. We'll see you, man. The, the whole idea – here's what frustrated me, and I, I laughed whenever I saw this on the text line – is to use the term sanctimonious whenever you're describing Brent Venables, and yet you don't have you have you watched any of the Dion stuff? I mean, I I I don't even know if you have because there is nothing more sanctimonious than standing there in front of your team and telling them that you're bringing in someone to replace them. I mean, all, all me. Look at me. Oh my gosh! And but someone said, <laughs> someone had been, and I understand sanctimonious is more about like being morally above it, and that's fine. But nobody acts morally above anything than Dion does, for goodness sakes. He is the definition. Uh, by the way, th- this was a good point. This in off of what, I, by the way, as a sidebar to True Sooners' uh, take on politics, I don't care about any of y'all's politics. I don't care about which way you lean. I don't care how you feel. I just don't want to see it. I don't want to hear about it. If you start tweeting about politics, I either mute you or unfollow you. Um, it's just I couldn't care. The people that act so offended by something uh, a president does, it's like, bro, it's it doesn't really end up affecting you too terribly much. But that's just me. I, I, I do my best to stay away with it. If I see something like that, it doesn't make me very happy. Right, just like you, unfollow or block. But but uh, Dion from Paul, or sorry, Dylan from Paul's Valley brought up a pretty good point here. Uh, Paul's Valley, by the way, we're getting there construction-wise, Dylan. We're getting there slowly but surely. He writes, I don't have a problem with what Brent Venable said, but I don't think he needed to say Dion to make his point. See, that's the thing, though, Dylan, and that's that's where this – it's wild that this blew up 
because he's been saying this all off season, and he's been saying at Colorado and what Dion did all off season. It, it's not anything new. It's just it's not, and that's why. I, and again, this story isn't anything new. This was five days ago, and your beloved ESPN. Your beloved PTI finally finds it a week later and acts like it's I, – I don't get it. There's not a lot going on in the sports world, but there is an SEC Media Days that's taking place right now all over your network with a Georgia story that's out of control. I mean, it's just – what are we doing? Or at least perceived, be careful. Perceived <laughs> out of control. I don't need them coming after me for a retraction, that's for but, sure. But that is something that you can talk about, and you're obviously not. Instead, you're worrying about what Venables had to say about Dion. Last week, man. But here's – this is good. This is good. The victim mentality is infectious. Yeah. According to Wilbon, no, this is from the 918, no one is allowed to say anything about Dion, even if it's a fact. Meanwhile, the OU football program always gets attacked. Reasons why we say OU versus the world. Dion – is Dion God now? Crazy how Dion embraces it too, but everyone is a victim these days. I mean – Gosh, I don't get it. It's true, though. It's true. It's just frustrating. We praise Dion, and if he wins three games, we're going to praise him even more. Uh, that, that's the part to me. It's like <laughs> they, they are the most bet team to win the national championship. And here's Tony Kornheiser saying, some people look at this and say three wins is a success. Really? Holy smokes. Really? <laughs> I, I, you you want to stand by? I'll, I'll tell you right now. I think three wins are success for Dion based on how bad Colorado's been. But again, I'm 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 in the minority of that. Gunny says boycott ESPN. No, us. we're not boycotting ESPN. <laughs> they got they they're they're still the the home of the SEC. Just I I am going against one of my tried and true takes, which is I wish that someone would say something stupid and ill informed about Oklahoma. And no one would react. We'd just be like, oh, all right, that's great. Right, right. But uh, unfortunately, in this instance, I feel like it got a little bit more personal <laughs> and ridiculous. All right, quick break. Uh, it is 1033. Now, I promise we'll roll through all the text next. Uh, I, I've got a lot of audio to get to, including what Kirby Smart said about the issues at Georgia involving the uh, the traffic violations and concerns and the speeding issues they've had. Plus, uh, you're going to hear from Nick Saban and what he had to say about Oklahoma and Texas coming to the SEC. Coming up next right here on The Ref. Sam Pittman is meeting with the media as we speak. Um, I don't know what to think of Arkansas this year. Arkansas should have beaten Texas A&M last year, too. They should have, yeah. There, there was a few games they should have won. I feel like I've turned on every single team that I liked heading into this week in the SEC. It's like I was listening to Andy Staples' podcast this morning, and I was just laughing. Or it was yesterday. When you start looking at the SEC East, and I've been someone that's not – I like what Josh Heupel has done. I think Joe Milton's a really good quarterback. But I'm not somebody that thinks that they're just going to run rough shot and be the number two team in the SEC East. I feel like it's Georgia. And then, I mean, is Florida going to be better? Is Kentucky going to be better? I mean, Kentucky's the quarterback they got from North Carolina State was a dude that last year in North Carolina State was building a Heisman campaign around. South Carolina, 
I mean, I know they they played well in their final two games last year, but they, I mean, they also got absolutely worked by Texas A and M last season, or not by A uh, and M, uh, by Florida last season. They went to Florida and got beat thirty eight to six. Yeah. I don't know. Gonna be, yeah, who's going to be behind Georgia in the East? That's the question. I think it's wide open right now. And I've turned on everyone. I don't think LSU is going to be any good now. I don't know why. I'm, I'm changing my opinion on everyone. Uh, the 580 writes, we should change the subject. Let's talk recruiting. Well, let me, let me give you a quick little recruiting tidbit. Uh, uh, Zion Raggins, Raggins, excuse me, did indeed commit to the University of Oklahoma yesterday. Raggins, uh, five foot nine, 150, but yesterday – on Locked In, Tyler McComas and Parker Thune. Parker talked about Raggins and may, maybe 5'9 being a little bit of a push. Here's what it sounded like. Wait for it. I promise you it's going to play any second from now. I, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I've stood next to the kid. 5'7 is probably more accurate than 5'9. Yeah. He's, not a, he's not a very big dude. But again, like you go back to the fact that Lincoln Riley and Dennis Simmons offered this dude before the conclusion of his sophomore year of high school. His recruitment predates the arrival of the new Oklahoma staff. At that size, you really got to be a special playmaker if you want to get an offer like Oklahoma that early on in the process. So despite the size or lack thereof, Raggins is a guy that brings lightning. Man, and he's going to be a fun player in this offense if the Sooners find a variety of ways to get the ball in his hand. Pretty cool. Pretty exciting. Four, uh, he's laser time four two three forty, which that's place and speed. And we know what he can do in the 100-meter dash. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to that in the top five stories of the day. A um, couple of other quick texts. Mongo, Mongo, where you been? He writes, has Coach Prime ever attended coaching clinics, uh, clinics in Clemson? I only ask because of the familiar way BV referred to him as Dion. Yeah, I don't know. That that's a good question. I don't know if I don't know if if Coach has a relationship with with Dion or not. But the way he talked, it was just, hey, listen, that's if you've been to any event where Brent Venables has spoke, he he says it. I mean, he's talked about it. Yeah. I mean, on July twenty seventh, we're going to be at the coaches' luncheon. I'm sure that he'll mention it again. Hey, we we had a different approach. Dion's doing this. We're doing this. And I, I think you all get how I care about how I feel about this. A Brazilian sooner. I never cared for Dion and still don't. He's about himself, and a true coach cares about the student athletes and not about glorifying himself. BV should not apologize for speaking how he handles his own team and love the fact that he speaks the truth. Yeah, and he also said he wished he didn't refer, or say Dion's name. Yeah. But even if he didn't, I feel like someone, I mean, we still understand the idea of who, maybe who he's talking about. No, that's absolutely right. And 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 again, I just every every coach has a take on it because I say we like I'm a damn coach. They're also fascinated by watching how it's going to play out. And and most administrations, when you take the job, wouldn't let you do that. <laughs> No, I mean, in no. most places you go, they're like, hey, these guys are going to be on the team. You're going to honor their scholarships. And I know now it's, well, they're still on scholarship. They're just not on the football team if when they stick around in different era. But it's just it's, – it's a different approach. You don't see it very often. Well, it's just Colorado being not very good for recent years. A long time. They don't, they don't have a problem with it. 
It's like you want to we'll, get. Re- we'll take anything now. We're just trying to. We're just trying to get better here. What do you want to do? You want to gut the whole roster? What's our record last year? We're good with it. You do what you need to do. Uh, Dan and Madison. I love this because I think Dan pretty much hits everything here on the head. Colorado will be interesting. I worked. I worked out with a few coaches and many of their players. I asked a coach, "How's their roster compared to other HBCUs?" He said it wasn't even close. They were way more talented, talking about Jackson State when Dion was there. I then followed up with how do the rosters compare? He said the experience and talent on our staffs dwarfs the other schools. So in other words, at Jackson State, what Dan and Madison is saying, they have better players and better coaches. He adds, Coach Prime has always had advantages. Coach at a private school, best of the best, especially with his name attached and people wanting to play for him. Jackson State, same thing. Now at Colorado, he will be competing with rosters equal to or greater than his. Coaching staffs are all talented. Money in programs will equal will be equal to, if not more. We'll find out how good he is now. That's the thing with Dion. He's going to have a bunch of rosters that are better than what he has at Colorado. It's going to be a lot different to what he had at JSU. JSU and I, I liked I, I know Dan and Madison has done his work because it it, it prime did he call it Prime U it had his at his high school in Dallas where he was coaching it's just they always had the best players now I will say I I'm not here to just beat down Dion I don't I I would love to see if this works how it plays out right but in that same vein Connor I just I, they're going to get their heads kicked in a lot this year. I mean, it's just the reality of it. I know. Um, people are, th- are expecting so much for Colorado. We just got to be realistic that they're probably going to win three football games. That could be ger- generous, too. They could go 2-10 and ten in the regular season. I mean, I don't know how good TCU is, to be honest with you, this year. I think they're going to be okay. But TCU is already a double-digit favorite, and I'm not a gambling man. But, bro, I would put just about anything in that. You know what's going to happen, too? Colorado's going to score early because they'll have some sort of trick play that Dion will run, and he'll be jumping all over the place. And 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 I just think TC will house him. But I, I'm, I'm here for if it doesn't happen, right? I'm here for it. But not at the expense of, oh, well, other coaches say this and that and this. Who cares? It's well, college football. Yeah. Well, and it, it's, it, it's at TCU, too, so that's what – I, yeah. I think TCU just going to roll all over him. Uh, and then there, there's several different versions of this that have popped into the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line in the inbox. Has Wilbon had the same energy for his Northwestern Wildcats hazing incident and baseball coach bullying his players? We, we've had a bunch of that because Wilbon is, yes, a Northwestern guy. I, I don't know. I don't know if he has or not. I, I, on, I kid you not, guys. I'm not trying to be smart, Alec. I'm not trying to be uh, an, an a-hole. I don't watch those debate shows. I really, And I've never been a PTI guy. I like Kornheiser as a radio guy. But, I mean, come on. He said one of his coworkers who was dressed in a dress looked like she was in a sausage casing and didn't lose his gig. Oh, my God. I mean, that's just – that kind of yeah. shows you how they're on a different level of, I guess, allowance in what they can say. I don't – the only time that – uh, I, I've even seen first take is when it's on here in the studio because it's usually the only sports on. I'm not a get up guy, but it'll be on in studio. I just, those aren't, and I don't know if it's me getting old and maybe because I do it every single day here on sports radio. 
I'm not really a, oh, gosh, I can't wait to see who's going to be right in this debate. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to see them get mad about this. I don't – that's just not – Well, and a, a, lot of pe- games. a lot of people, like myself, too, they don't want to hear NBA talk in this offseason. <laughs> that's don't. all we hear from first take. I don't want to hear NBA talk, man. <laughs> this I, is my break from the NBA. I don't care what Joel Embiid said. Now it's going to be in the top five stories of the day. I don't, I'm surprised. Uh, and, and thankfully SEC media days is taking place. So we're been, we've been able to watch this, but I'm surprised there hasn't been a whole hour on first take about Draymond Green and what he said about justifying punching Jordan Poole, right? I mean, just Ugh. Or LeBron making an announcement on the ESPYs that he is coming back for. Oh, they're year. still on that. That's that's been <laughs> they're still on that. Um, it, this is this is also a pretty good point from the nine four nine. Sounds like Dion would like to remain immune from anyone saying anything factual about his program. It's true. Yeah, I'm trying, but it's not. Listen, Dion hasn't really said anything. Dion didn't say anything. Just now, you're starting to get the idiotic media oh takes gosh, around it. I hope the college football world comes out in in beating this back because just everyone is saying this. Everyone is saying it's a fascinating case study, and you're stating a fact that you did it differently. This is not a tape from what I said the first time we heard it. I feel like I've said the same thing over and <laughs> I over. I know. I don't mind Dion. It's just all the talk about him just leading up to the college college football season. It's been nonstop. All right, quick, quick break, quick break. When we come back, oh, let's let's get in what – do we have time for Kirby Smart? Let's get into what Kirby Smart had to say um, next right here on The Ref. All right, you get to pick, Connor. Which way would you rather go? Do you want to hear from Kirby Smart about how they're handling the issues that they have with, I guess, racing? Or Nick Saban on how – he feels about Oklahoma and Texas joining the SEC in 24. I'm very curious to see what Kirby has to say. Um, Let's hear from Kirby Smart. Right. This is Kirby Smart when he was asked about, hey, you know, you've still had issues. Does it disappoint you when you put these new rules in and yet guys are still getting in trouble? Uh, I'm disappointed anytime we have traffic incidents. I, 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 you know, it's, it's very evident uh, when you look at it. We've had traffic citations and incidents throughout the history of being at the University of Georgia. Um, and we actually don't have more now than we've had in the past. So what, we, what concerns me most is the safety of our players. All right. And when you drive at high speeds, it's unsafe. And we don't want that to happen. We're going to do all we can to take that out and uh, make sure that's eradicated. But I'm also smart enough, Pat, to understand and know that 18 to 20-year-olds is when this happens. When it ha- it's when it happened to me as a student athlete. That's when speeding happens. What we want to do is take that out and make it safe and not have high speeds. If somebody's going to get a speeding ticket, it should not be a super speeder. Okay. I. There was obviously the next direction that it took, Super speeder, I like that term. So that's that's yeah. going 60 and a 30, I guess, is what he's looking at. I don't know. I've always subscribed to the 9-year fine, 10-year mind mindset on the highway, but I also don't really apply that to 30 to 35-mile-an-hour zones. Unlike some of you people over here on 24th trying to get to work, holy smokes, <laughs> Norman PD, y'all want to make some money? Sorry, Pop got on to me for narking on that the other day. 
I uh, I like how Kirby's just talking about like it's a common thing, which it has been the common thing for Georgia. It's something oh. they, gosh, they got they just gotta get fixed. It's yeah, you know these this is it happens. Eighteen, twenty year old kids. I will say I I enjoyed listening to Kirby Smart yesterday, but it's uh it it was a little bit frustrating because you just got the sense that it's not going anywhere. <laughs> You're like, dang it. This, there's there's not really a kryptonite right now for this team. And and a common thing, I mean, I see it with Georgia and then what we have with A&M, too. I mean, I don't really see it elsewhere. Do you, other than just from Georgia and A&M, those incidents? Yeah, I just – it's it's funny because I, I, I'm unique, man. Having a fast car never mattered to me, and driving fast never mattered to me. Now – I needed the speakers and I needed the subwoofers so you could hear my two live crew and my cassette deck uh, or the cassette that had a wire that linked to the CD yeah. that I could play in my car. But I just, I don't, I, I don't, I don't think you're getting it right, man. It continues to be a problem. So don't, I don't really care how fast I go, but I know some kids, maybe 18 to 20, they want to have those I don't <laughs> cars get it. like that. I don't get it. So that, that was Kirby on how he's handling the issue. That still seems to be a problem when it comes to speeding. Speeding. All right, Nick Saban has said what he needs to say about OU and Texas coming to the Big 12. We got it coming up in the top five, or coming to the SEC. We got it coming up in the top five stories today next.